The Screen Lawyer Podcast is brought to you by Cape Sokol Attorneys at Law. Hey there, welcome to the Screen Lawyer Podcast. My guest today is my friend Mitch Jackson, the streaming lawyer, among many other things, from Southern California, who's going to join us and talk about his journey as a lawyer, but also as someone who's prolific on a screen. He's been a mentor to me, and it's going to be great talking to him today. Stick around. Welcome to the Screen Lawyer Podcast, the intersection of the entertainment world, intellectual property law, and emerging technology, where we discuss legal and business issues surrounding any type of content that ends up on your screens. I'm your host, Pete Salsic, the Screen Lawyer. Hey there, welcome to the Screen Lawyer Podcast. I'm Pete Salsic, the Screen Lawyer. And my guest today is my friend, Mitch Jackson. How are you doing, Mitch? Pete, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on your, your new show. I'm loving it. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. I, it's, you, I've, we've shared screens like this in the past a couple of times, but I've been your guest. So I'm particularly honored to have grown into the chair with the headphones. So now I get to look at you in the camera. And you're looking good in a suit. Were you in court today? Oh, thank you, my friend. Absolutely. Had Zoom this morning, number 14 on the calendar. And uh, otherwise, you'd find me in a golf shirt and probably a baseball cap. But I it's know. It's great to be here. And I'm, I know. I'm looking forward to, to having I always look forward to seeing you. You're one of my favorite intellectual property lawyers on the planet. I'm so glad that our paths have crossed. I'm so glad that we've gotten to know each other and and it's truly an honor to be on your on your show, Pete. Well, I, I appreciate that, Mitch. And and I, I think it's worth, you know, letting folks have a little sense of kind of how we know each other. We uh, several years ago and you were way ahead of me in this world, which I found out. But I was kind of coming into this practice as a screen lawyer, coming out of my in-house world and getting involved with the Maximum Lawyer Conference with our, our good mutual friend, Jim Hacking, um, who's actually the guy who, who gave me the name, the screen lawyer and a little bit of brilliance. Um, and I remember the first night of the conference here in St. Louis, he grabbed me and he said, come on, you got to meet. I want you to meet screen lawyer, meet the streaming lawyer. And that was you. And you were the keynote speaker at the conference that year. So tell us about the streaming lawyer. What, where does that come from? Well, it came from video and live video back in the day, as you well know, and members of your audience may not be aware of this, but back, back in the early digital internet social media days i immediately wrapped my arms around all the different digital opportunities to right. build brand to connect with clients and i embraced live video right away and it was one of the best decisions i ever made pete because it was before we were doing zoom videos like right this. right uh it was on a platform called spreecast and the co-founder of stubhead rolled out a live video platform for social media and i got a call from spreecast hey mitch you don't know us, but we'd love to have you as part of what we're doing. And I said, yes. And my friends, Pete, were telling me, Mitch, why are you going on there as a lawyer? What if you say something wrong? What if you right, make a mistake? Right. I'm like, have you been around me? That's just the way I roll, right? But it was a really good, uh, important decision for my career, Pete, because what happened was is within a couple of weeks, I was on live video shows with Katie Kirk, uh, Anderson Cooper, Peter Diamandis, Seth Godin, right. a lot of really well-known people, which amplified my brand and when it was all sun done brought in new clients into the firm pete so that's what got me motivated yeah. and i've never been accused of being the brightest bulb in the lamp but when <laughs> i saw the results to basically putting yourself out there and we're going to talk about that today um everything else changed and i think for purposes of fast forwarding to today's show everything that i did back then it's actually 100x the, the feedback the oh, opportunity the branding yeah. possibilities in today's world. So that's what got me here. And that's why I'm still going full speed ahead. And I'm loving every minute of it. It's fun yeah, to well, meet people like you. And I've always been, I, I, and that's, that's great because you were, you were, I was at the time just trying to figure out, okay, I'd like to do this work with these people. And I had been in house and I was beginning the process of, you know, branding, like you just said, it's exactly the right term. And I worked for clients that were in the branding world. So I understood the concept, but I hadn't thought about it as a lawyer yeah. like what does that mean for me or my firm or my practice and so hearing it from you and then getting to see you do it and then as we got into covid and of course everybody went to screens uh suddenly it was more prevalent but you were always out in front with the new platform or new concepts and that brings us to where you know you've kind of taken a lead today um 
and that's in the AI world. And I want to talk about that in a second because you posted something the other day that just blew my mind, which makes a perfect framing device for our talk today. But I want to give my audience a little bit more about Mitch because you're not just a lawyer who goes on video. You're a family man. Um, you and your wife, Lisa, have an amazingly successful firm and have for a long time. Um, Garrett and AJ, your kids are, are, from what I can tell, you know, doing great as young professionals. You and Garrett have written a book together. I see you running in your videos. You're running and you're paddleboarding. You're, you're just a, tell us a little bit more about Mitch Jackson, the <laughs> non-streaming lawyer. Like when you are not on oh, camera, what are you doing? What's your, what's your favorite thing? Well, so here's the thing. I try to be strategically transparent when I'm sharing my content on social media. So you're seeing the good stuff. Of course. Right? Well, more, it's, more it's curated. And, I get it. Sure. You know, but it does kind of pull the curtain back. And, and my whole purpose for doing what I'm doing is to really being a first generation lawyer, growing up on a ranch in Tucson, Arizona, being the first person in my family to graduate from college, certainly the first one to go to law school. Um, I realized Shortly after passing the bar and starting my practice from day one, I opened up my own practice out of the back of my car while playing basketball down Laguna Beach. Kind of did <laughs> things my own way. But but I really gravitated to the value that lawyers bring to society. In other words, I think we make just a, uh, a huge difference in the, in the quality of all of our lives and now our clients' lives. Sure. And I realized with social and digital and what you see me doing, it allows us, instead of having one-on-one -on -one conversations with clients, to have a one-to-100, -one a one-to-10,000, a one-to-100,000 conversation with recorded video and, and other, other platforms we're going to talk about. And what it was allowing us to do as lawyers is basically show the community the good side of what we do. And for me, that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's like sharing the fact that we're human beings. We're the neighbor next door. We're right. doing what we're doing because we enjoy helping people. We enjoy taking them by the hands and helping them with their complicated intellectual property issues, which, by the way, you are positioned exactly where lawyers need to be moving forward because right now IP – is the big talking point with everything we're going to dive into it is. today. It is. And it is. And so so I'm using this just as a way to uh, communicate and uh, uh, connect and build relationships locally, nationally, and globally. And it, it's really been a lot of fun, Pete. And, you know, I think, uh, who am I? I'm a, I'm a husband and father first. Um, I'm someone that understands the importance of trying to put mental and physical health and make yeah. that a priority, you know, it's, it's so important. And, uh, and then building different businesses and, and building my practice for the last 37 years. I don't know if you're aware of this, but we're transitioning this year from me anyway, from litigating and trying cases over into full-time private mediation. Well, I've, I have, yeah. I have noticed your technology. Yeah. I have noticed your the uh, a lot of push lately about your mediation, which I I think is such an incredibly powerful I'm part excited. of our legal system. I uh, my father was was often a mediator in his career as a law professor because of that ability really? okay. to just to to. And I remember thinking when I was a law student, you know, my classmates would be like terrified over the Socratic method, and I would just say, well. <laughs> That was how I was disciplined when I was, oh my you know, if I was a stupid teenager and got caught drinking beer or doing whatever, instead of getting yelled at, I would get sat in a chair and my dad would say, well, let's talk about this. And he would just walk me down this plank with a series of questions until really? I walked myself right off of it. So uh, by the time I got to law school, I'm like, oh, well, I get this process. This is not scary. This is, <laughs> this is what I grew up with. But it was that. And you're good at that. You're good at communicating. Well, I've learned that I think that mediation, that ability to connect. And I, when I was doing more litigating, mm -hmm. the, uh, all, I, I would say virtually every successful case, including the sort of wins that you have at trial, the most successful cases were a good settlement and a mediation, often where business got to happen afterwards. So that's really cool that you're doing that. You know, and we're, we're leveraging these platforms to allow us to mediate not in not only in the traditional conference room, local mediation right. settings, right. but across the country and across the world. Right now, 20 percent of our mediations to date this year have been in other states and other countries via Zoom. Wow. So this new technology that we're talking about allows all of us 
sure. new opportunities to expand, to develop new departments in our firms, to roll out new products and services, depending on what you do for a living. So I'm having fun kind of walking my talk and leveraging all the new yeah. technologies we're going to talk about to keep life interesting. You know, I, you know, look, I've been practicing 37 years. I'm 65 years old. I'm more excited today to roll out of bed in the morning than I've ever been in my life. That's there aren't so cool. many lawyers that have practiced more than 10 years who are going to tell you that. So I no. know what I'm doing works, and I'm excited to take this to the next stage of my career and help people all around the world with their mediations using the technology that we're using right now. This is just so yeah. exciting. And you're and you're and and that's one of the themes. I, we're going to talk about this. I'm going to I'm going to tee up. I'm going to ask you this question: What's on your screen? And we're going to get sure. into it here in a minute. But that's. That's part of this whole ethos that I'm trying to, you know, embrace even more fully is that we literally all live our lives on screens now. Um, some of us more than others, right? But we consume things on right. screens. We learn on screens. We do business on screens. And so all of these intellectual property issues, but just human issues, business issues, um, all resonate around screens right now. So you're taking this to mediation. Um, I bet a lot of people are like, wow, that's a great idea. Why did I think of that? Well, that's so good. simple. No, no, no traveling. It keeps right. the cost down and it's effective for everyone using breakout rooms on Zoom or right. we're doing mediations in our virtual metaverse conference rooms. Real quick. Let me just share. Yeah, we all bring I brought the cowboy uh, uh, sports guy into my practice three decades ago. You know, I know you're a musician and you like to be on stage. Right. And before we went live, we we're talking about a couple of things getting caught up. But what I've noticed is for all of you listening if, for example, if you're a lawyer, bring into what's on your screen your other hobbies, interests, and passions. Yeah. In other words, yeah. one reason Pete is so good at communicating is that he's comfortable being on stage. He's comfortable multitasking, singing, playing the guitar, looking at the webcam, looking at his notes all at once. And Pete, I think you'll join me in agreeing. The more we do this, yeah. the easier it gets. It, the more absolutely. comfortable we get, right? Absolutely. Well, and I you, want everybody to wrap their arms around that. It's important. I agree with you. And you you were the person that told me was when COVID hit and, and our band couldn't play, like a lot of people, I gradually started occasionally just standing in my office because I had all my equipment there, setting up my amp, mic, and playing some songs and recording myself on my phone and then doing that and, and finally having the the whatever guts to push publish and put it out there and then engage in the conversation you had seen a couple of those and you're like you have to keep that up and that led me you are a lot of the reason i got into the doing the walk and talk tuesdays uh Which videos I love, that i way. did for you know such a long that. time well i know and you were always uh, so complimentary and and because that was me wanting, and my neighbors laugh at me because they're like, you're not walking around talking to yourself anymore. I'm like, well, I've kind of evolved. We're back in the office. Now. But it was that. I have a good, I have a good therapist. <laughs> right. But it was, it was that chance to, I had to say, I had to speak, right? I had, I just, like you, I've got a need. Um, that's the right word for it, frankly. Um, to speak, to share, to to whatever the right word is at the time. And so learning and feeling comfortable from people like you that I could do that on the camera and to be willing to put it out there and find an audience. And I'm not, I'm not hung up on, you know, how many likes this will get or this one's going to get a lot more likes than others. I know because you're on it. But, you know, the, that's not the immediate gratification. It's more of the process of sharing. And then people would occasionally find an episode months afterwards and connect on some because they found it in some other way. And I always thought that was really cool. So thank you for, for bringing us here. And now, now here we are with AI just exploding. Um, Unbelievable. I am trying to, you know, race like full sprint to just try to stay near the front of the wave of the IP issues as they come up. But you've been much more involved in the doing. And I'd love it if you could take us through a little bit more about your process. I mean, you mentioned before just a minute ago in the mediations using the your your virtual rooms, and I think that's that's wild, and I, I that's still something I haven't done myself yet. So help us understand how that works. Well, I have a curious mind, and you know, time is for me and most lawyers, it's it's our most valuable asset, right? And so, anytime I can leverage technology. 
that allows me to save time and create a better client experience, to create a better result. Right. Uh, I'm all in. I'll, I'll get up early, I'll stay up late, and I'll play around with this technology. And artificial intelligence, Web3 technology, virtual reality, metaverse technology, this is changing the world. All of these things working together, I think, are going to have a greater impact on society than the printing press, electricity, and the internet as we know it combined into one. Wow. We are living in real time, watching change happen that's, that's creating a global community that's allowing uh, someone you know, in an isolated region of the world with one of these in his, her, right. or their hand to do commerce, to engage with the rest of the world, to build businesses, and to make a difference. And so that's my why behind what we're doing. But what we're doing with AI, for example, is we're leveraging artificial intelligence, specifically chat uh, GPT-4, mm-hmm. to update our templates, to allow us to improve um, our legal pleadings, to, and we'll talk about that in a second, uh, regarding hallucinate, hallucinations, to allow us to develop outlines uh, to, we have an upcoming wrongful death trial, and so I'm in a very conservative venue, Pete. Um, we're going to be seeking uh, substantial money damages from the jury, and so what we did is we created a prompt in GPT-4, which is uh, the AI, everyone, and right. we, we said, listen, you're an experienced, we're telling the prompt, you're an experienced psychologist, human factors expert, top graduate from, uh, from a law school, um, you're a sociologist, you're a communications expert. We're picking a jury in the XYZ venue. It's conservative. These are three trending topics right now in this community that they're dealing with, whether it's, you know, to keep things vague, whether it's storm damage, whether it's a, sure. uh, a controversial political, you know, uh, nominee, whatever it may be. Right. Design and develop for us 50 questions that you believe we should be asking our jury during jury selection uh, to make sure that we've got the right butts sitting in the right seats at the beginning of the trial. And so literally within 30 seconds, not hours, not days, within 30 seconds, we've got 50 killer questions, open-ended questions, because we're telling the prompt, make the questions open-ended, where, you know, I've tried a lot of cases and I'm pretty good at picking a jury, but inevitably, you know, every time I do this, there are five to 10 questions that didn't even cross my mind. And it's like, okay, let's incorporate those open-ended questions into jury selection. And then Pete, using these technologies, you can drill down with respect to question number 16. And then you go into the who, what, when, where, why, and how type of questions to follow up. And before you, you know it, within just a couple of minutes, you have more content in front of you that's going to help you leverage oh the selection of an outstanding. Yeah. That's just one way we're leveraging this right. technology. And it's, it's so powerful. It's so fast. It's so good that when mistakes are made, I think we all have read about uh, the attorney that used AI to create a legal brief right. that included false, fake, misleading, right. or inaccurate sites, right, in the brief. And um, I've had a lot of people reach out to me about that. I get it, right? I think that within a year, AI will be training itself, so that doesn't happen again. Right. Uh, last month, I was standing in court. There's a lawyer, defense counsel on the other end of counsel table, citing to the judge in real life, inaccurate case law. Uh, one case was overturned. It wasn't even valid. Right. But you know the difference between AI and that lawyer? AI continues to train and get better. That lawyer is more focused on getting out and playing 18 holes that yeah. afternoon yeah. Than, than really improving <laughs> his craft. Right. And so it's just one of these things where we're embracing the good, we're kicking the tires, and we're trying to use it to create a better client experience uh, along the way, and I've never seen anything like this. When you combine some of the Web3 technology, some of the virtual reality technology, Pete, it's just, it's mind-blowing. It is. It, mind-blowing is, the, that's literally, and, and hearing you just describe the jury selection process, that outline that, you know, and I, I remember that from my days uh, as a litigator, that that was one of the most difficult, because you know, you know, by that point, you know your facts, you know your law, you know your witnesses, you know your environment, but there's still that, um, it's almost that vomiting out the first stuff, and then you can sort it, right? You've got to get all that stuff out of your head, and that's a drafting, I think, a challenge 
I struggle with it as a writer. You know, it's what is the first getting it all out there? Then I can sort it. And so I think this is, it's already been an amazing tool, but what you just described is a really fascinating use case um, that I think a lot of my audience and our, you know, my colleagues in this building would, wow, that's really cool. And, and it's, well, don't let me cut you off. Go right ahead. I was going to say, just real quick, along those lines, we're creating this within a private data set. We're using different AI apps that allow us to create private data sets so it doesn't go out to the general public. Right. And what we're doing is we're importing our deposition transcripts, all of our medical records, all of our case notes into it. So as we work on the file, I can actually prompt that particular data set wow. and get an instant response Okay, based upon what you have in the quote unquote master data set, which is what we'll label it, uh, what are six issues you feel we'll need to focus on during closing argument mm. uh, to to be able to empower our jury when they go back into the deliberation room? What are the 10 questions they'll be asking themselves? What do we need to fill right. in the blanks on regarding? So creating private data sets allows you to leverage this new technology, just like you and I would with 20 paralegals. Sure. Except now, now, it's in the palm of our hand or right in front of us on our screen. And so that's why that's on my screen, my friend, because it's changing everything. Yeah. And it's an exciting time to be alive. Well, and I think you are, you are, uh, what I was, what I was going to point out is that like the, uh, unlike, or, or unlike the lawyer that you were standing across the courtroom from who was citing old or bad law and if any anybody spent any time in the courtroom, that happens. Um, happens. Sometimes it's accidental. Sometimes it's laziness. Sometimes it's eagerness to get to the the, the tea time. But the the guy in in you know who recently did it with AI, I think that and and what comes up in my world, like on the copyright, particularly heavily focused on the copyright, and the copyright office is already giving us some instruction in these places. But it's that human mm-hmm. authorship. There is no substitute, right? This, these tools are just that. They're amazing tools. They're efficiency tools. They're connection tools. They're communication tools. But they're just that um, if we want to use them successfully as the professionals that we are. We still have to decide which of these issues we're going to emphasize. Yes, we got a prompt. It saved me a couple hours of brainstorming yeah. and writing or maybe days. Um, but I still have to ultimately make the decision. I'm still responsible for making sure if I'm going to put something in a brief or say something out loud to a judge, I better have read that case. And I better know yeah, that case exactly. is real. And I better have, you know, I mean, we're going to show our age, Mitch. I'm going to say we better have shepherdized it. Um, yeah. You know, exactly. but we better make sure exactly. it's still we gotta good We've got to do our law. due diligence. We've got to exactly. do our due diligence before exactly. we open our mouth. And, and here's the thing, though. It's helping us do our due diligence. For example, yeah. when the Andy Warhol Supreme Court case came down, right. uh, I think you'll remember on LinkedIn, I took that case and I fed it in. And by the way, everyone, there are, there are bots out there. There are apps out there that allow you to take the PDF, for example, of a Supreme Court case and instantly feed it into your right. data set, into your AI data set. And I put it into the data set, and then there was a subsequent case that the court was looking at, the Jack Daniels case. Right, right. And I said, okay, and I fed that in, and I said, based upon the, uh, the, the findings, the rulings of the Supreme Court in the Andy Warhol case, tell me what's going to happen with the Jack Daniels right. case. And it did a legal analysis, and, and, and Pete, it was spot on. I mean, yeah. it was spot on. It's exactly the way the court ruled. And so, you know, we can use what it gives us. And someone like you that, that does IP, you know, as, as your focus, that's your profession. You can look at this and say, okay, I see where it's going. Right. You can do subsequent prompts to help, help uh, understand where it came, how it came to its decision. And then you can agree or disagree or right. prompt some more with the areas that it may have missed. Because I've also noticed putting in, case holdings, that it's given me the wrong information. Sure, sure. So we need yeah. to be careful right now. And I think that's, I think that's a, you, you uh, and I think that's probably been true all along for you. I mean, you, you described early on that you, you were out in front doing the live video when people are like, what are you crazy? You're a lawyer. And aren't you worried about doing the wrong thing? And of course we can all be, but, but it's still ultimately something that goes out under your name. 
even if it's, you know, so, so as I think to, what I talk to people about on the IP ownership thing is, and, and the copyright office, you know, it's an entirely different conversation than whether we think AIs ought to be considered personhood. That's a different philosophical question, maybe legal question for another day. But until an AI is a person, and they are not now, you have to have a person. There has to be a human authorship component to the creation of intellectual property. And the patent office has held that, the copyright office has held that, and I don't think that's going to change. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't use these amazing tools. It's just like anything else, having an understanding, like if I use it this way, I have some risk if ownership is something that matters to me. But you, for somebody else, ownership isn't what matters at all. It's this type of creation. They don't care if they're putting stuff out in the world that the public can own. Maybe they even want to. Um, but if your business model depends on one copyright owner who can control the licensing and the revenues and distribution and all those things, now you have to be careful that you didn't somehow let that IP ownership leak out by one of the tools. And frankly, I think more than likely, not the owner, it's not the intended owner. It's going to be somebody in the chain of creation leading up. I do a lot of work, as you know, in the, in the film and, and production world where there's a bunch of humans in different stages of creation before there's a finished product. And every single contract, every single relationship on that way up is built on having one copyright owner at the end of the day. And then you negotiate for what piece you get of this or royalties or everything else. But... It's intended to have one co copyright owner, and it's going to be somebody down at that level that, you know, saves some time on some graphics or something and is not careful where there may be something that gets challenged. And I, I just saw the other day um, the uh, uh, Authors Guild is suggesting some new language to balance both authors' rights and the use of AI for guild members in publishing agreements. And so, and this is something I predicted a little while ago that lawyers, we draft things in our contracts way before the court gets there because we just know we're going to have to deal with this situation. And until we know exactly how the court's going to rule, we have to decide well, since we don't know exactly how the court's going to rule, I'm going to take it out of the court's hands. And I'm going to make it clear in my contract. Yes. Then I don't have to Thank worry you. about the judge. You know? And so I think Thank that's you. the yeah. evolving challenge for those of us who are writing contracts in this area, um, which is really so you're cool. Looking, you're looking at what we're talking about through the lens of an IP lawyer. Right. And, and I love that. I'm looking through the lens of a litigator and a trial attorney, which I know you do, but that's, you know, I'm not an IP lawyer. And you said a couple of things that just make me want to smile because as a lawyer... <laughs> There are so many issues with this new technology. I should say opportunities. For example, yeah. if you're not into the technology, but you're in your transactional lawyer into contracts, okay, we have contract law, we have jurisdiction issues, we have venue issues, we have decentralized Web3 smart contract NFT issues. I've, right. I've got a friend that's a, that's a, a well-known actor and producer in Hollywood, Pete, who's creating video content and and distributing it via nfts non-fungible tokens right and um his his movie that they just they're, they're in post-production right now it's called razor and he's got some famous actors in the movie with him co-starring with him and so there are all of these different types of legal issues sure. that good lawyers can plan ahead whether it's contract whether it's licensing whether it's insurance coverage issues for everything that we talked sure. about so there's just a lot going on that for me it keeps things interesting. I used to, about 10 years ago, go for a paddle, and I was so on top of the law and so on top. I've been doing this for so long. No new issues. All I thought about was paddling, looking at the dolphins and the sunset. <laughs> now I get, now I paddle around the harbor, and my mind's racing. Yeah, I'm thinking bet. about all these issues that, I, that we were talking about. And so while it's exciting and fun, I think it's also an oppor opportunity to roll up our sleeves and, and really, if you're serious about building out your practice or building new products and services, 
spend the time each day to get up up to speed on this new technology because it's, it's changing everything. I, I think that's obviously true. And, and for you know a lot of the the folks that I talked with regularly, professionally, and and as friends as well in this business, they're on the production side. They're on the creation side, right? So, mm. and 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 that's a group of people. Uh, I talked about a, about this a lot during COVID. They were one of the first industries to problem solve around it, right? Because you know, okay, well, we, we have to have people stand further apart. We can't have everybody on set. We have to have craft service deliver food differently. But they just, within weeks, just started writing different rules because it was so in their nature. And if you've ever spent any time on a set and watched this happen, there's all these professionals that are, you know, there's what they were planning to do. There's a shoot schedule, and it's pretty tight. But then there's everything that happens during the day that they have to react to. And so as a profession, as a, you know, th that's a group that pr solves problems in the instant. So they become early adopters of things. And so, of course, they're early adopters in this space. And I've had calls say, hey, I want to just use this. And I'm like, well, okay, you can. You can and you should. But let's at least talk about what job is this? Who's paying for this? What's the ownership structure? What are we doing with this? Just to make sure that your excitement for the technology and for the opportunity doesn't cause you to misstep from a legal or a business perspective. And it's not, it, you know, I learned a long time ago, we, we've had this conversation. If I want to do this area of law, I, I can't have no as my default answer because they're just going to find somebody's going to say yes. I need to say yes and do it like this. And so this is another area for me. I'm, I'm learning, trying to soak up as much as I can, which leads me to the question I want to tee up here because your answer I know is going to be awesome and teach us all. I, I have everybody on this. Yeah, no pressure there. Um, everybody, every guest I've had on here, I ask the question, what's on your screen? And the reason I ask that is because I think that's in, it, it's, a, it's such an interesting insight into what someone's doing and thinking in the moment. We all carry our screens around um, in our pockets. They ha they're on the wall. So sometimes I say, what's on your screen? And the person's main immediately goes to the thing they're watching that's on Netflix. Because at the end of the day, that's when they're relaxing either by themselves or the spouse or whomever. And that's they share this moment of just the old-fashioned way of passively receiving someone else's screen work. Somebody else answers the question with what they're working on. Somebody else answers the question with what's stopping their thumb while it's scrolling. And so for you, you posted something the other day that marries all these things together. So I'm going to just tee it up. Mitch, what's on your screen? <laughs> well, what you're referring to is the Netflix Black Mirror series, episode one of the current year. Joan is awful. Yeah. That's the name of the episode. And I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but has a component of AI generative content. Right. It's something that involves licensing agreements between lawyers and celebrities and actors. And it's a concept that allows content creators to create unique content for a specific individual, a specific company, a specific industry that's probably not too far off on what we're going to be seeing <laughs> down, down the, right, down the right. pipeline of five to 10 years, right? And what was interesting is as I'm watching this, P, I'm thinking to myself, you know, OMG, this is something that my son Garrett and I yeah. just co-authored a book on. And what that was, everyone, is, is I am all in on Web3 and AI and the metaverse. I just find this stuff interesting for all the reasons Pete and I already shared. But I also see a huge licensing play sure. for existing content creators, influencers, entertainers, artists, musicians – to start leveraging the Web3 spaces, the metaverse, right. um, and and everything else in between, using licensing agreements. And Absolutely. Pete, I've got a my old my old roommate is one of the top entertainment lawyers up in Los Angeles, and I did a presentation to his firm probably about a year ago. I think thirty or forty partners, big firm, and um, they wanted to get up to speed on Web3 and the metaverse and virtual reality, and it just wasn't something they were that familiar with. They're, right. they're my age, right? And uh, I could just tell from the questions, this is what their clients are asking them right. about. This is they want to be performing in a, in a metaverse venue. They want to be utilizing NFTs to sell merch and to create these new brands globally. And so what Garrett and I did is we put together a book on licensing in the new Web3 AI and metaverse spaces. 
to show people and to plant seeds on right. how all of this works. Get people familiar, especially lawyers, with the terminology. So for me, Pete, the fun part about the book was doing it with Garrett. And yeah, for, and, for and, those, and tell us a little bit know, more about that because I I have sure. that book. I bought the book. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But when you but tell it a little bit about Garrett Garrett and the book and where people can find yeah. it because we'll we'll this will be we'll have our audio version, but on the YouTube we'll put links and so forth. So share it with us. So this is this is thank you for asking. This is this is real time on how I'm leveraging these platforms, everyone. So last October. I spoke at a, a global lawyer convention. I was the closing keynote in Toronto. We had 30 different countries, 25, 28 states represented, and I was there to talk about Web3, the metaverse, and AI. Because I was the closing, Pete, I had already gotten to know almost everyone sure. at, the, uh, at the event, right? We had three to 500 people. And everyone was interested in the topic, but I realized from the, from the lack of hands being raised during the Q&A session, people were just... I found out afterwards, I talked to them, they were intimidated. They didn't know where sure. to start. They didn't know what questions to ask. They didn't want to come across as not being up to speed in front of their right. peers at the event, right. Right? right? So I came home, and, I, and when Garrett came home last December, uh, and by the way, he graduated from USC's Marshall School of Business. He's a post-creative strategist at VaynerMedia in Los Angeles. So this is something he really enjoys doing. Right. We sat down, and we leveraged AI to help us write the web three ai and metaverse handbook and so it helped generate ideas chapter titles about 80 percent of each chapter the ai helped us write and we went in added our human aspect to it our own right. personalities but we wanted to have something that we could just give to a senior partner so they could in three minutes understand what a smart contract is or a blockchain technology or right. whatever it may be right what is cryptocurrency and we just wanted to have a quick read in it in a and it worked really well. It was fun to do with Garrett, but it was also easy to pump out a book on that specific topic and then make it available on Amazon, Kindle, paperback, or PDF, right? Right. right. Fast forward to a couple of months ago with the licensing issues, we did the same thing. Now, having already done it once or twice, we kind of understood what the pros and cons are when it comes to using AI to help create this right. type of content, right? Each book's better than the last. And so with the licensing book, we really dive deep into every single element an influencer, brand ambassador, entertainer, artist may want to take into consideration when building out their brand on the new right. Web3 platforms, but also written in a way that helps lawyers and agents and management companies understand what the possibilities are, yeah. right? And, and so we did it together. So for me as a dad, it was fun just working right. with him and, you know, spending more time with him doing that than I probably talked to him in six months. <laughs> but here's the other thing. We also managed to pump something out that allows me to just send somebody a PDF yeah. or send somebody to Amazon. And it allows us to amplify our brand once again. Sure, so of course. how does that help me? How does that help me? Right. How does that come back and bring a business? Well, here's the way it works, everyone. I also knew I was transitioning from full time litigation and trial work into mediation. Guess where all of these issues that need to be mediated are in today's yeah. world? They're in the Web3 space. So by creating this book, right. by distributing it around the world, I'm positioning myself as a mediator that understands this technology that can come in and, right. and hold everyone's hands. The challenge, Pete, right now in this space is we don't really know what the courts are going to decide no, on many right. of these issues. And so companies don't want to spend a lot of money litigating for years on exactly. an issue that could literally be the flip of a coin. In, in um, the option, the alternative might be a four to eight hour mediation, yeah. private, non-binding. If it works out, great. If right. it doesn't, it's no harm, no foul. And you get this thing done, you push it aside, and you continue to roll out your products and services. That's the mindset of the new entrepreneur. And so what I purposefully did is piggybacked what we're doing in this, you know, in the licensing book, right. what everyone will see in this Netflix show with this new business venture. And I encourage everyone to kind of think the same way because it works and it works really well. So yeah. that's. The long answer to your short question. Well, no, but it's it, but that. it's no. Gosh, I mean, that's that's the beauty of it, it, it because it it walks through and and I do think you're absolutely right. You said something there that I I, I 
grab for a second because you talked about how you know these issues a lot of times are coming up with you've got the users the creators the early adopters you've got their consuming public right but it's Mm -hmm. that lawyers agents managers business you know executives the folks that are not creating necessarily they may be creative but they're not producing that's not their job um, and they're not the consumers. They're the deal makers. They're the folks doing the business structure. They're the folks figuring out, well, where's, you know, I always like to ask clients, you know, well, how do you make money? We need to know that so we can figure out how to structure your business. But how might you make money? What might happen? Let's imagine what could happen in the future for something. And in this situation, We've got, you know, I think your tool, the book that you and Garrett wrote um, and, and you, the work that you guys continue to put out there helps those people whose job it is to know enough, right? They don't have to know all the details, but they need to know enough to see how the pieces fit together, know enough to know what questions mm-hmm. to ask. Um, and as you said, in the mediation world, I mean, I, I remember the uh, f- first mediation I ever went to as a young lawyer and a mediator here in town who who was the go-to mediator for if you could get him that was the, that was your best choice often and uh his speech not to the lawyers was always to the parties and he would describe to the parties you know you you can either let your business or personal and for me it was usually business situation leave that up to 12 people that you don't know or you can make your own decision Today is your opportunity to try to make a decision that you can control. And just that sense of, I don't want to take the risk. You know, you always have the occasional client that says, I'm never paying you anything and whatever. But most of the time, they don't want to take that risk. And so this is just a new version of that, right? There's this, as you said, you know, I can, I can picture that audience. I would have been in that audience, yeah. not sure what question to ask. But now we know. I feel bad for everybody. I felt bad for everybody <laughs> because I because we had had dinner together, we had drinks together. I right. knew what they wanted to bring into their firm, but they just we did not want to come across right. uninformed in front of their peers. Right. You know what's interesting, Feed, is along these same lines. Um, I actually I'm a big fan of trial by jury. I mean, I just think it's just really levels the playing field sure. for, for everyone involved. Now, right. So, but having said that, with some of these new issues, we don't know. No. Like when I take a case, oftentimes I know if I prove A, B, and C, then I'm going to get the result of D, right. E, or F, depending on how things play out during trial. We just don't know when right. it comes to these new spaces. And and just to wrap things up with a nice transparent bow, I'd like to use the word transparency. In other words, what I'm also seeing our clients do, everyone, is they're being transparent. When, they're, when our clients are using third-party creators or in-house creators that are that are leveraging AI to create the content that's going out, whether it's code, whether it's movies, whether right. it's video uh, videos, they're being transparent with their clients as to how this is being done, leveraging AI, and should we or should we not do this? Because the last thing you want to do is create an $8 million, 30-second Super Bowl ad right. using a logo or a song or something that you thought was copyrighted when, in fact, it's not because AI was behind the creation yeah. of that particular digital asset. Right. So transparency with everything that we're doing right now, I think, is really, really important. And yeah. so that's why with our books, what Garrett and I have done is on the cover at the very bottom, You know, we've said something like, uh, researched and written with the assistance of AI. Right. I know in right. our first in our first book we even listed AI as, as one of the authors. Author. I know, I remember you that. Know? <laughs> I remember and, seeing and so that. We're kind of trying to all figure it out together. Sure. sure. And I do feel like now that I know what I know today, being transparent yes. uh, in today's world is key with our clients, with co counsel, even with defense counsel. Real quick about mediations. One thing I've learned about mediations is. Two of my largest jury verdicts that I've obtained over the years, multi-million dollar verdicts, they came from unsuccessful mediations mm-hmm. where I walked out of that mediation learning something new You're I new. didn't know Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? And so rather than diving in during the mediation and exploiting that issue, right. and it's hard for me, I kept my mouth shut. You want to you prove I'm your gonna, case, you want to prove your case right that moment, but you wait. I'll table it till right. 
Right. You know, we'll let it marinate a little bit. I'm going to let them kind of put some things under sworn, sworn depositions. Right. And then it was go time during trial. So I just think it's kind of fun with Web3 smart contracts, decentralization, metaverse, uh, AI, all of these things. We can do the same thing as lawyers, as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as creators, as artists. We can watch what's happening. See what what's resonates with you. Think to yourself, how can I embrace this into my business or my practice to create a better final product or experience? And that's what we're doing. And, and Pete, you know, one of the other things is we only have so much time throughout the course of the day. Right. So some of the AI tools that I'm using allow me to copy and paste a blog post into an AI tool and have it create a video with music with overlays, right? And distribute that content across 10 or 15 different platforms right. or vice versa. Take a video and using AI, it creates written content right. and then taking that written content, turning it into an audio. And now it's a podcast. I mean, maybe five years from now, you and I doing this might be the avatars that we watched in episode one of this season's <laughs> right, Netflix series. Right. Yeah. Right? That's the direction we're going. But if you learn how to communicate right. and build rapport and keep that human component, I think that's what's going to separate, you know, the winners, the winners right. from the losers. And I'm, st I'm still I'm old school. I, I love the fact that competition's good. I like the fact that everybody feels good about their efforts. But when it's all said and done as a trial lawyer, when that verdict comes back, I mean, I'm either representing a client who's a winner right. or a loser. And so for me, you know, it's it's serious business. But that doesn't mean we can't have fun along right. the way. Well, and, and like you, you, you said something there, and I, and I want to use the word that you wound up too, the, the transparency. I mean, one of the things that I've always loved about since I got to know you is you, I don't want to say overshare because that has a connotation like you told me things I didn't oh, want I to know. Oh, well, I, but, I overshare. Well, <laughs> but you'd overshare in, in the very best way in that you are absolutely happy to share your knowledge. You are you're a firm believer that the more people who know these things that I have learned, the better for all of us. And that's not going to come back and hurt me in a competitive manner. If anything, yeah. and I know lawyers have been out there, look, if you have a, another lawyer uh, across the table from you in a negotiation or in a, in a lawsuit or whatever, and you, and you know that lawyer is also very good and is very serious in doing the research, that's usually a really good thing. Because now you know that you can focus in on the things. I mean, you're not going to have this distraction. You're not going to have to educate the other side on various issues. And I think that that transparency that you talked about is the key in this intellectual property space. And that's what we're starting to see in the contracts. Just mm. say whether you're using AI. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to pretend it's your work when it's not. First of all, you're not yes. supposed to do that, period. But this tool doesn't make it, it might make it easier, so to speak, to do some things, but it doesn't make it easier to get away with it because, frankly, it's easy to catch. And, yep. um, you know, the, rea and the reality is just you're going you're gonna to start to see contracts where in productions they'll say, you know, we, we want an RFP, request for proposal. No AI can be used. You need to certify the no AI. Or we want you to use AI. Or somewhere in between, and you'll have language that says AI was used but enough sufficient human authorship. That's the, where the Authors Guild is going. I think that's an example of... The, the legal and business world grasping hold of these things as fast as they can, knowing they're going to be behind and stay behind, but trying to figure out how to order their business by good language, good negotiating, good transparent contracts to take care of it. And, and that's something that, you know, you and I agree on 100 percent. I'm going to ask you to send me a clip of what you just said <laughs> so I can turn around and share it with my community. It's because a deal. You just, you just summarized exactly it's what the important issues are. You know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm old enough where I remember walking to a courtroom and during the morning break while the jury was out, it was just the judge and I in the courtroom and I'm setting up my laptop to assist me with an overhead. It wasn't even PowerPoint. It might right. have been before PowerPoint as right. we know it. But I wanted to use that technology for an opening statement. The judge goes, Mr. Jackson, you know, what are you doing? I said, I told him what I was doing. Because you're not using that in my courtroom. Mm. I'm, I'm, okay, Your Honor, no problem. And so we just proceeded. Imagine walking into a courtroom today and not having technology there right, right. for the lawyers to use. In fact, back in the day, we used to have to eventually bring our technology into sure. the courtroom yeah. once the court, once the judges were okay with it. 
Now you walk in and everything's ready to go. Yeah. Each courtroom's set up, at least here in California. And so I see the same thing happening with the technology that we're talking about today. I see non-fungible token NFT technology being used on the blockchain when it comes to filing and discovery and litigation. Right. I see AI actually allowing parties, Pete, to instantly import <clears throat> data from a case, uh, legal analysis, whatever it may be, jurisdiction limited, and literally within 30 seconds settling yeah. a case. I mean, I, I see attorneys leveraging this technology to get better results for their clients faster in a more economical fashion and frankly in a more consistent way it's just yeah. one of these things where we want to embrace and understand and watch what's going on instead of just brushing it off because i think you, you i think that's technology right too much you're, you're in trouble yeah I, and you said and i don't i wind it up with with another great word from you embrace this has been a Mitch Jackson Embrace. word since the first time we met. Embrace <laughs> this. Embrace what you're trying to do. Embrace this new technology. Embrace video. Whatever it is, just – and it is. That's an embrace. It's a hug. It's like get it in there. Get into it. And then, you know, don't lose your mind. Don't lose your values. Don't change the good things you already know. But don't be afraid right. to get in there and figure out how to navigate. I think that's key. Mitch, this has been a blast. You and I could keep talking forever, but I know you probably have client work to do, and I do as well. But this has been such a treat. Thank you. And I, I mean this sincerely. It is an absolute honor to be the one interviewing you and hosting you on a podcast. <laughs> um, but I'm also happy to be your guest sometime again soon, anytime you want. Okay, thank you. That your words mean the mean the world to me. Anytime I can spend with you, it's, it's always my pleasure. I would like to share with you uh, if anyone is interested in receiving my treat, any a PDF of any of the books that are out there. Yeah, you go to my website at, at mitchjackson.com. You'll see, depending on your, the device that you're looking at the website, it's either on the side or down at the bottom. You'll see a list of the books, and you know whether it's Web three, whether it's licensing, whether it's right. If for the mediators out there, my latest book is the Mediator's Handbook, where I try to pull all the new modern communication techniques that we're using right, right now in Zoom. Right. We're using our body language. We're look, both looking at the webcams. Um, it's my treat. Just message me. I'll get a PDF version out to you. And... Uh, and whatever I can do yeah. to, to help your community, Pete, I'm always here for you. And I'm Absolutely. Here for you. And by the way, thank you for being a great person I can refer my IP business to yes. because it's not what I do. It's very specialized. Every time I think I'm getting it down, I realize after after messaging you on LinkedIn, I don't have a clue <laughs> as to what the real issue is. And so thank you for being there for my referrals. I appreciate you, it's it. My, it's my it's pleasure. my pleasure. And, and we will include uh, a link. Uh, in the YouTube version of this uh, to your website, Mitch. And thank you for offering that to guests. It is a tremendously valuable resource, as is everything Mitch does. you got to go check out the streaming lawyer, MitchJackson.com. If you just search Mitch, you're going to find him because he's in a lot of places, <laughs> and it's always worth your trip. Mitch, thank you very much. Hey, everybody, this has been another great edition of the Screen Lawyer Podcast. If you have enjoyed this, uh, and you're listening on audio, get it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like and subscribe button down below so you stay current with all the work that we are doing here at thescreenlawyer.com. Thanks again, Mitch. Talk to you soon. Take care, Pete. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Screen Lawyer Podcast with your host, Pete Salsing, The Screen Lawyer. For more information or to stay connected, find us on social at The Screen Lawyer or check us out at thescreenlawyer.com.